Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you.
my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing
this has been heavy on my heart. Um, I've noticed lately in our Christian groups that um, the enemy gets too much attention. It's way too much. I don't even want his name to cross over my lips. So I call him my enemy. But um, we have to get our focus right, like this morning. He's number one. He's the one that takes care of us. And he rules everything. And we have to remember that no matter what. Um, Sometimes praising our Father God and Jesus takes a back seat. Because we're busy whining. I can't think of a better word. But we do. We do a lot of whining. You know, it's like, and we can't do that. I know we have some heartache in here, some deep, deep heartache. But we get past that and we get into the praising. And God's going to honor that. Um, I don't want to give him credit for anything in my life. I don't care how bad or how horrid or how rotten it is. God still gets the glory because even the enemy has to answer to him. He is not a, a free agent that can do anything and everything he wants. Um, God tells us that all things, all things, all things, all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And there's so much encouragement in his word that we need to be in. Um, and that's all things, not just the good things, but the bad things that we have to go through. And I'm not asking for them, but... When they do come, we need to have our focus right. Um, and the enemy can do absolutely nothing without our fathers overseeing and leading. And we have to remember that when we're going through the pits and we feel there's no way out. And I can't tell you how many times that I felt going down that slope and begging the Lord, pull me out. Pull, and he does. He does. But he wants us to talk to him. He wants us to cry out to him. Um, And a lot of times we pray for deliverance, protection of things in our lives. But sometimes we need to just let go and be quiet and let God do what he wants to do. Um, Sometimes that protection and, you know, it's like it's an easy street. And he may not want that for us. He may want us to go through the hard stuff. It doesn't mean we're supposed to quit praying, but think before we ask him for things and make sure you always end it. His will be done. No matter what you're praying for, his will be done. A.W. Tozer wrote, this guy's really something. We got so many Christians that have come before us and has left us just a gold mine of things. He wrote, before we can be filled with the Spirit, The desire to be filled with the Spirit must be all-consuming, the biggest thing in life. Um, And with his morning devotional, Seeking God's Presence, he wrote in his journal, O God, I have tasted thy goodness, and has both satisfied me and has made me thirsty for more. And when we walk with the Lord, that's what we see. We can be satisfied, but yet sometimes that gap between God's holiness and us is so huge that we want that to close up but I thank God that he's he's always close always no matter what we feel please don't base your faith on your feelings because that's human that's all human junk but we feel useless and I went through that 
because I always had an active Christian life. Go, 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 do, 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 and serve, 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 and whatever. And then all of a sudden, this junk hit me, and there I sat in a chair by myself in my house. And John was always there, but he had things to do too. But the Lord showed me I'm not useless, and he's got a ministry for me, and I'm serving him. And I thank God that these people come and tell me, you know, the Lord used you for this and that. I have got a phone call the other day, and I was so blessed. Because just in everyday conversations, you don't even know you're doing anything or saying anything. This woman come and told me what that all meant to her. And she's having problems with her sister and her brother and how she used that to go on with her sister and brother. Um, We need that kind of encouragement from each other. When somebody does something for you, tell them. Let them know that the Lord used them in your life. And... um, we know we got to keep our Jesus focus. And remember those that we don't see. You know, I think of Shirley Vance not being here. Don't forget her. And that's something that's hard sometimes, too, when we get old and feel useless. We're just kind of like swept under the rug. Don't let that happen. Keep these people alive and active. Write them, call them, whatever you need to do. And I do thank all of you so much because I know I've been held up here in prayer over and over and over or else I wouldn't be where I am. And I praise God for all of you and what a blessing this church family is. And, And you are. You are all so very special. And it's because of our Lord. It's because of our Lord. I want you to remember the first half of what she I want you to remember both halves of what she said. But I want you to remember the first half that you said because you you just preached what I'm preaching. Uh, that's God, right? That's God lining those things up. Seven signs, seven miracles of Christ, part six. Today we're going to be in John chapter nine. So if you turn there in your Bibles to John chapter nine, we are taking some time to go through these seven signs, these seven miracles of Jesus Christ that the the uh, apostle. John points to in his gospel. And he, remember, he tells us why he did this. He tells us why he gave these particular signs to us in John 30, 20, 30. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his, main, of his name. So out of the many miracles, right, John chose these to build a case about why we should believe in Jesus Christ, why we should continue to believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we can have life in his name. Well, today, like I said, we're going to be in John chapter 9. We're going to see a man who was born blind. We're going to see that man be able to see by the end of this story. Uh, And I pray that we would all be reminded that at one time we were blind before Christ. We were blind, right? And he's opened our eyes. And now we can see because of him. I hope this also speaks to people who who are facing hard times right now in life. And it feels dark, right? It feels dark. You're trying to navigate. You're trying to make your way forward but it just feels dark. I pray that, this, that his word speaks to you in a mighty way. John chapter 9, beginning of verse 1. Let's stand in honor of God's word. 
As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others said no. He just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this is your word, Lord, and we ask that you would speak mightily, boldly to our hearts. Lord, let our hearts be soft. Let our eyes and ears be open to hear from you. That's all we want, Lord. Father, if there's areas of darkness in our life, if there's areas where we've been blinded, we ask that you would open our eyes, that you would allow the light to come in. Father, I pray that you would use us to be light to this world, to reflect your light. Lord, give us those opportunities. Father, I pray that there's people here dealing with some tough things, as I know there are. Lord, I pray that you would make your presence known to them. That you would comfort them. That you would just be there with them. And help us to be as well as your church. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Please take the time to read the rest of this chapter. It's, it's phenomenal. What follows is this massive argument. Massive argument after this amazing miracle. An argument where the religious leaders are interrogating this man. They question him again and again. They can't seem to come to the place where they believe that he actually was blind and that he was healed. They even go as far to call in his parents as witnesses. They ask them, is this your son? Was he born blind? And if so, how in the world can he see now? And his parents come in and they're like, yes, this is our son. Yes, he can see. Yes, he was born blind. We don't know. Ask him how he can see now, right? Because they were scared because the religious leaders were threatening anybody that was claiming that Jesus was the Messiah. They were, they were kicking them out of the synagogue. So they were scared to say anything. So they come to this guy, right? And they're, they're asking him, and this is his testimony, though. The whole thing ends with this man being kicked out. Kicked out, discarded. He, he only has his vision literally for hours. And he got kicked out of the synagogue. They discarded him. And I can't help but reading this entire passage coming away with just a sense of spiritual blindness going on here. And Lord, may that not be our church. May that not be us, right? It's sad. Now, the context of this is right before this, John, t- John details that the, a, a group of people had picked up stones and were going to stone Jesus. 
right? Right before this in John chapter 8. Because he claimed to be the I am. We know the I am is a reference to Moses and to God. Jesus was claiming to be him. He also said that their father, the religious leader's father, was the devil. And that he was one of their sons. So they pick up stones and want to do that. Supernaturally, though, he's hidden and he's able to walk out away from them. He leaves the temple. And as he's walking along, at some point, he notices this man. He notices him. He notices a man who was born blind. There, there's a bunch of things we're going to point out today out of this passage. Here's the first one, though, that I don't want us to miss it, right? The, the miracle begins because Jesus noticed this man, this beggar. He noticed him along the road. This is a great reminder that we don't let ourselves become blind to the lost people in this world. As we go out of here and we come into contact with people, right? Will we notice them? Will we have compassion on them? I did a word study of the word compassion in the gospel, and I saw that every time that it said that Jesus had compassion on people, it was the lost. It was the crowds, right? And every time it moved, that compassion moved him to do something for them, to serve them, to heal them, to help them, right? To redeem them, to restore them. My friends, do we notice the lost? Do we go after them? That's got to be where we start. That's where this miracle started. That has to be for us. There, there are lost people. These people aren't in church. These aren't church people, right? These are people that have been discarded. Maybe even discarded by the church. And, that, and the compassion that he feels for them leads him to go to them. To serve them, right? And Jesus was trying to get his disciples to do the same thing. He was trying to get them to do it. Do you remember, though? Do you remember the time when he's getting ready to feed the 5,000? Do you remember what the disciples said? Lord, send them away. But the Bible says he looked up at them and had compassion on them. Uh, what, what are we doing? What are you doing? Is, do you have a heart that wants to reach the lost? Or are you like, send them away? God, don't, don't ever let that church be this church, right? Don't let us be that. Let us not become so busy that we don't notice the people that need our help right around us. I love the story, Jim, of you going and fixing some person's HVA system that you met at a restaurant or a family member of the person that you met at the restaurant. That's, what, that's the opportunities available to us to reach this world. That gives us an opportunity to, to show Christ's love. Right? We're all once lost. And somebody reached out to us. Right? Maybe it was when we came to a church, somebody reached out to us, but maybe it wasn't when you were out there. You want this church to grow? We've got to reach the lost. That's the call. Number one, we've got to notice people around us, and we have to look to help them. Number two, we have to ask the right questions. You ever watch Pink Panther? Am I dating myself here? Some of these kids like the cartoon. No, I'm talking about the show, the Pink Panther, right? There was a scene with Clouseau and this hotel clerk. Uh, Clouseau said, does your dog bite? And the hotel clerk said, no. And so Clouseau bent down and started to pet the dog, 
Of course, the dog barks, barks and ends up biting Closo. And Closo said, I, I thought you said your dog didn't bite. And, and the clerk said, that's not my dog. Right? <laughs> we have to ask the right questions. After Jesus notices this man, the disciples notice him too. And what do they do? They jump right in and they ask the wrong question. Who sinned to cause this? Why was this man born blind? This is the typical question that we ask, though, when we see things like this. Why is this happening? The question, though, the right question, the question that Jesus wants us to ask is, what does God want to do in this situation? What does God want to do through this situation? It's human nature to want to understand why, to ask why. Why did this happen? It's natural. But we have to understand we're not God. We don't see the big picture, right? We can't see how everything fits together or plays out. Let's ask, though, what does God want to do here? What does God want to do through me? Disciples use the common thought of the day. And it's the same thought today. They reason somebody must have sinned. There must be some kind of cosmic justice going on. God is punishing people. Somebody must have done something to cause this. Either him or his parents. And Jesus is like, nope. Right? It's nothing like that. Sometimes that is the case. Sometimes we do sin, and it leads to our suffering Sometimes you do something, you end up in prison, right? Sometimes you do something, you end up in some sort of position of pain and suffering. Sometimes parents do something, and kids end up suffering as a result of that. But the lie is that every time you see pain, that it's a result of sin. That's a lie, and it can't be what we dwell on. I, I think the, the uh, mistakes come from focusing on who's to blame. Instead of saying... How can we help? What can God do with this or through this? I I believe we always know the answer to this question. What does God want to do in this or through this situation? We always know the answer to that question. The answer is he wants to release his glory. He wants to show his power. As soon as I say that, man, I'm, I'm not trying to minimize anybody's pain. I'm not saying that these are good situations, right? I'm not saying God caused these situations. We live in a broken world where people choose to do terrible things to people and hurt people. Terrible things. Awful things. But I also believe that God can do glorious things even through these situations, even through these tough times, right? Even in our pain, even in our suffering. I I get prayer requests sent to me every day, multiple times a day, things that aren't known, aren't shared with the church. That's a privilege, right? Some people are walking through a great amount of pain, though, right now. A terminal diagnosis, pain of betrayal, horrible situations, So I don't say this lightly, but I believe that God wants to release his glory through them. I believe that he can release his glory through them.
Even in these. Even in something like leukemia in a young girl. Right? Yeah. I believe it. Even when doctors say that there's no hope, there's nothing more we can do. Yeah. I believe he can. Why was this man, man born blind? Verse 3. It's not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Amen? This happened so the glory of God could be seen. This is where we need to live. This is where we need to camp out. This needs to be a part of our theology. Well, while I say this, let's be careful how we talk to people, though, while they are suffering. You know, let's not just go up to them and say, hey, this is great. God's glory is going to come out of this. Those might not be the right words to say, but this has to be our belief. We have to trust him. What does glory look like? Sometimes it doesn't look like what we think it looks like, right? We all know Romans 8, 28. Somebody just mentioned that during a testimony time. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him, right? And are called according to his purposes for them. How many of you knew that verse? You know it? You got it memorized? What's the next verse? You know that one? You don't know that one. You don't know what the good is in this one. Right? Verse 29, it says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brethren, many brothers and sisters. The good in Romans 8.28, here's the good, is that we look like Jesus, is that we become like Jesus, like his son, right? And so you look at something horrible, you look at some tough situation, and you go, God wants to do something good through this horrible thing, but that good might not be what you picture it to be or what you recognize it, especially while you're dealing with it, especially while somebody's going through it. The good, though, is you becoming more like Christ. The good is that person becoming more like Christ. And sometimes that comes through pain and suffering. At least it has in my life. A couple Saturdays ago, I was talking to a, a guy, and we're talking about why doesn't God take some things away in our life, some stumbling blocks that we struggle with. And I can't answer that for sure. Maybe, though, if he took them away, we wouldn't need them. Maybe we wouldn't depend on him. Maybe we'd end up falling away because we don't need him. I don't know, but I trust there's a reason for those things that are in our lives, those thorns in our flesh. I trust there is a reason for the difficult thing in my life, man. And I praise God that Paul prayed a prayer and said, Lord, take this away. Right, Lord, take this away. Lord, take this away. And God didn't. Because I know I'm in good company with Paul. Man, I love Paul. He didn't take away that thorn from him. He said, my grace is sufficient, right? I know I'm in good company. We might be going through something horrible, but maybe it's the very thing we need to look more like Jesus. Man, every, every drop of pain in my life has not been wasted. It has brought me to the feet of Christ time and time again. It has molded me into the image of Christ, and it continues to do that today. Maybe it's the very thing that's going to give you more compassion for the lost. Let's believe that, that the pain and suffering that God allows is part of his plan 
and that no suffering is ever senseless. C.S. Lewis put it well. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world, I'd say a blind world, that there is profound richness in what God can do to get the glory when he takes the suffering away. Yeah, I believe God can miraculously heal. We have plenty of examples of that in the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I believe that God created our bodies to heal us. And sometimes that happens, right? We have miraculous, amazing bodies that, that he designed I believe that God gives people wisdom and that he can heal through that way. But I also believe that when God chooses not to heal, chooses not to act, that there's a reason. That he can bring about his glory, that he can show his power even as a result of that. Johnny Erickson Tata would be an amazing example of this. She became a quadriplegic after a diving accident when she was a teenager Man, and after that, she followed, she sought after God hard during that time. And she said this, I'd rather be in this wheelchair knowing God than on my feet without him. And she has the hope of healing, right? She has the hope of using her limbs again. And she knows, right, that that full healing will come. And in her words, when she leapfrogs over the tombstone and is walking with Jesus in heaven. In the meantime, she's being molded into the image of Christ. She's a beautiful person. I see Christ, right? All that through suffering and pain. Number one, we've got to notice and go after loss. Number two, we have to ask the right question. Number three, we have to realize sometimes it's a strange solution. All right, I'm just going to be honest here. Can we call this strange that Jesus' response to this man in pain is the hakalugi into the dirt. Right? Mix it up. Put it on this guy's face. And send him away on a mission. It's strange. When you, when you look at the scriptures, you see Jesus healing in many different ways. I, I, actually, I don't think he healed in the same way ever twice. I don't know. I, I could be wrong about that. But all the things I think of, it's always a different way. He spoke and people were healed. He laid hands on and people were healed. He sent people. One time we preached on, he healed a man in two phases, right? Like he couldn't do it the first time. No, he could have, right? But he chose to do it in two phases. Probably one of my favorite examples was with a Gentile. He was a soldier of Rome. He was a centurion. He wasn't even a Jew, right? He had sent some Jewish leaders to talk to Jesus. This, this is the enemy, right? This guy's the enemy, a part of the occupation force. They send some people, and he gets this message to Jesus, and he asks him to heal his servant, right? And do you remember what he said? He said, don't bother yourself coming here. You just say the word, and I know my servant will be healed, right? And do you remember Jesus' response? He marveled at this man's faith. There's only two places in the Bible that I know of where Jesus marveled, Right? One was at this abundance of faith that this guy had. The other, guy, the other time was at a lack of faith with the people in Nazareth, his hometown. He marveled at their lack of faith. My point is, I, I don't think Jesus had to heal him in this way. I don't exactly know why he did. I, I'm going to point out some things, but 
Jesus chose to do it in this way. It was a strange way. Now, we have to understand the specialness of this miracle. This is the only example that we know of Jesus healing a man that was born blind. We see Jesus heal people that are blind, right? But this is the only account of somebody being born blind. In fact, this is one of the four messianic prophecies, the more the four messianic miracles the Jews believed that the Messiah would perform when he came. One of the four, right? Whoever did all four was the Messiah. Those four were healing somebody of leprosy, casting out a deaf and dumb spirit, raising the dead after three days, and healing somebody with a birth defect, healing somebody that was born blind, right? So unprecedented miracle, maybe it required an unusual method. I don't think so. I think instead it's what we've been talking about with all these miracles here. It all comes down to the gospel. You see, 1 Corinthians 11.8 says, the message of the cross is foolishness, right? To those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God could have healed this man man in any way, but he did it in a way that was almost insulting. It was almost insulting to put mud on this man's face, spit mud on this man's face, to send him off stumbling to try and find this fountain in order to wash, right? And that's when he would be healed. It's foolishness to think about that, right? That, that's how he healed? It's foolishness to think about that. This gave the guy a choice. Do I go with what he says or I just stay where I'm at? Because this seems a little crazy, Right? Gave him a chance. The only way he moves forward is if he steps out on faith. That's what he's got to do. He's got to trust in Jesus. He's going to have to trust him. Remember, Jesus isn't concerned or as concerned with his physical sight. This, Jesus wants this guy to see spiritually. He wants his eyes to be opened in that respect. So the answer is going to take this man having to step out on faith. To the world, the gospel message is foolish. It's foolishness. You're you're telling me a guy who lived over 2,000 years ago in some podunk town, some podunk area, right? Born of a virgin, was a carpenter at first by trade, lived three years, then was crucified. You're telling me if that somehow I put my faith in him and believe in him that I'll be saved? Sounds like foolishness, doesn't it? Sounds like foolishness unless you've experienced it unless you come to know him as your savior, right? Feels ridiculous walking through the city with spit mud on your eyes, looking for a fountain to wash it off. It would have been easier not to do it, not to believe it, not to step out on faith, but he trusted Jesus. He took a look of faith, leave of faith, and look what happened, right? He could see. The gospel's not foolishness to me. The gospel's not foolishness to you, right? To those who have experienced, it's the power of God. I'm glad one person said amen. It's flipped my life completely upside down, right? Number four, there's healing in the going. There's healing in the going. God said it. Decide if you're going to step out on faith or reject it. That's what you got to do when he calls you, when he tells you to do something. There's no waiting to see if it's going to, be, if it's going to happen, right? If this guy would have waited to see if he could see before he went, he would have never experienced this miracle. 
There's power in the going and taking that leap of faith. He finds healing in the going. Jesus sent this man to a pool, to a fountain named Salome, which is translated sent. I, I told you that I don't know why God sometimes doesn't take things away that we struggle with. Here's the other side of that, though. Sometimes I've prayed for God to take those things away, and it only happened when I went. It only happened in the going. I still have the thorn, but in the going, I experience his power. I experience his freedom. If I would have waited for God to take away a fear of public speaking so I could preach, man, I'd still be waiting. Right? It's in the going that we experience God's power. Habitual sin. If you're struggling with habitual sin, man, I struggled with, man, I found freedom in the going, in the trusting, in the stepping out in faith, in following God's call. Oftentimes, I think it's the only, only, the only way we can do this is to step out on faith. And that's when God's power shows up. And I think sometimes he's just waiting that to unleash it when we step out on faith. I, I love this miracle. Some of you are in bondage to something, right? You're in bondage to something, and you've been praying and praying and praying and asking God to take it away, and you're waiting for him to do that, but he's saying, nah, go. In the going, I'll do that. Whatever that means, in, in the going, in the following me, in the laying down everything in your life, right? That's where you'll find the power of God. That's where you'll experience it. Some of you are not going to go. I don't think you're going to experience his power. It's in the going. It's in the taking the step of faith, whatever that may be. Answering the call to whatever God is calling you to do, laying down your life completely, putting yourself out there to serve somebody, maybe to lead something, maybe it's giving sacrificially. I don't know what it is. But there's power in the going. This came to me late last night. Maybe the going is forgiving somebody. A lot of healing comes when we forgive someone. And that's hard to do. Because some people have hurt us, wounded us deeply, right? And we want to hang on to that pain. We want to hang on to it. We want to live with it. We want it in our lives, right? We can't let go of that. We can't let that person get away from that. And you're missing the healing when you do that. You're missing it. Man, I pray that you're able to forgive anyone that's hurt you. And I imagine, I imagine there's some deep hurt in this room. But I believe God added this late last night for a reason, that there's somebody hanging on to unforgiveness. I don't know who you are, but you got to let it go. That's when you experience the healing. There's power in the going. There's glory in the going. There's something that happens when you just let go. You might not be able to see where you're going, right? You're stepping out like this man. You're still blind, but you're stepping out on faith. You're going to struggle. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. But you'll make it to that place, right? And I believe you'll find your healing. I believe you'll experience the power of God. The glory of God will be shown. Number four, there's healing in the going. Number five, if you go, don't be surprised if people come against you. Even some religious people. Blows my mind. Here's a guy, first day he could see, right? First day he could see in his entire life. 
he's attacked by religious leaders. God, don't let that be us, right? They don't believe him. They think the one who did it, Jesus, is a sinner. Instead of celebrating what God did, they critique it. They complain about it. Their problem was that it was done on the Sabbath. We talked about this with another one of his miracles, right? Jesus did seven miracles on the Sabbath, and it should have been a clue to who he was, to these religious leaders who knew better. I don't see this as working, helping somebody. Even if you do see this as work, though, on the Sabbath, all right, the only being allowed to work on the Sabbath is God. Ding, 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 ding. This should have been a sign, right? He healed somebody. He did a messianic miracle. This should have been a sign to the religious leaders who knew better, who knew the scriptures inside and out. This should have been a big ding, 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 and they missed it. Jesus was purposely ruffling their feathers to give them a chance to realize they were the ones that were blind. Spiritually blind. Right? He was showing them that he was able to give people sight that if they would just turn to him, he could open their eyes. Pride get in the way, though. Right? Pride got in the way. Every day, every day you are alive, you have a chance to open up the Bible. You have a chance to open up the Word of God and have your life flipped upside down. To have your life changed. Man, I I wish you young people would get this. How important it is to be in this. How much this can change your life. How much this can order your life. You're trying to figure out what you're doing in life. Right? I hated those days. Everybody asking you, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life, man? This can provide purpose. This can provide order. This can show you the way. This can be a light to your feet. What if we approach the Word of God like that? What if we approach the Word of God like, man, what are you going to reveal to me today, Jesus? What are you going to change in my life today? What what message do you have for me today through your Word? What if we approached it that way? Instead of approaching it as, oh, i got to read today, you know, check that off my list. What if we believed that this was God's word and that he was speaking to us through it? Let's change how we approach our quiet time. Let's, let's do it with that expectation. One of the best verses is verse 25. The religious leaders are still arguing. And they say, God should get the glory for this. Ding, 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 ding again, right? God should get the glory for this. And not Jesus, because he's a sinner. And I love what this guy says. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, though, is I was blind, and now I see. Right? Isn't that our story? Isn't that our testimony? I've had a lot of people ask me, why do you, why do you believe in God? How do you know God's real? And I never once have argued with them in, about intelligent design or argued against elevation evolution as part of my response to this. I've simply said, I know he's real because he's changed my life. He's flipped it upside down. I can tell you I was once blind, but now I see. I was once dead, but now I'm alive. Right? Isn't that your testimony? Hasn't God done that in your life? Man, I was once lost, 
but he found me. That's my testimony. Nobody argued that. This is the truth. Nobody can convince me that there's no God. I don't care what science comes up. Science always comes up with something, and then a month later it's debunked, you know? I don't care what comes out. Nobody can convince me that there is no God because he's changed my life. I love the end of this passage. It's sad, but I love what Jesus does. Jesus hears how the Pharisees treated this man. He hears how they threw him out. And I love that he goes and finds him. Goes and finds him, right? And he then had this conversation with him in verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then he told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Be careful with this, man. Hear this, right? Some Pharisees who were standing nearby him asked, Are you saying we're blind? Jesus says this, If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. That should like make the hairs on your arms stand up. That should be a huge warning. Why, why were the Pharisees blind? Because they rejected the light of Christ, right? The spirit of Christ, the truth of Christ. I see this. I see Christians who think that they understand, who think that they know, but they're so blind and be careful, right? Be careful. Pray that, pray that God opens your eyes. That's what I pray, man. Don't let me be blind, Lord. Don't let me preach anything that's not right. Don't let me put anything out there that's not right. Don't, me be, don't let me believe that I can see when I'm really blind in whatever area that I am. Don't let me go with my own wisdom. Let me go with your wisdom. Open my eyes, Lord. Don't let that be us as a church. I want to end with this. My, my wife was on a missions trip to Peru, right? And they came across a woman that was blind, a blind lady. And as a group, they laid hands on this woman and prayed for her. And right then and there, she received her sight. How cool would it be to be a part of that? Here's the thing. You can be. You're expected to be. You're called to perform this miracle. It's available to you every day. There's people that are blind. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. My friends, there's people that are blind all around us. In every part of our lives, whether it's at work, whether it's people that we come in contact with, whether it's family, whether it's friends, there are people that are blind that can't see. Why can't they see? 
Why can't you see? The times that you can't see, why can't you see? Because it's dark, right? You can't see in the dark. You need the light. Jesus said to them in verse 5 that we read a little bit ago, he says, but while I am here in this world, I am the light of the world. Christ is the light of the world, right? The light. But what about when Christ is not in the world now? What happens with the light? Back to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, it said, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, we now have this light shining in our hearts. Gosh, people in darkness need the light that's shining in our hearts. It's not us, right? We're, we're reflecting the light, the light of the world, but it's entrusted to us. We can be a part of this miracle every day. We can share this light to those that are in darkness. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.14, says this, you, you, collectively, church, are the light of the world. That's a weight. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. We have the light of Christ inside us. Amen? And we have the responsibility to share it with anybody that's in darkness that God puts in our path. Stand with me. That's the call. To share the light, to share the good news, to share the gospel with those that are in darkness. They might not accept it. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but share it. Somebody shared it with me, and I accepted it. Somebody shared it with a lot of you, and you accepted it. Trust God to be a part of what he's doing. Trust God when he calls you to do something, to say something to someone. God lays somebody on your heart. Grab some other people in here. You collectively are the light of the world. Man, get some people to pray for you. I love when people send me messages. Hey, would you just pray for my buddy? Like, I, I want to try and reach out to him, and, and I know God's trying to do something. Would you just pray? Yeah, man, that's a privilege, right? I love seeing you be light in this world. Some of you are light in the schools. Some of you are light in the jobs, right? Some of you are light in the supermarket or while you're eating dinner somewhere at some restaurant. That's, it's a tremendous privilege to have the light of Christ in our hearts. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. God will hold us accountable for that. Amen? Father, we thank you for today. Lord, would you give us opportunities this very day to reach out to somebody, to, to come into some weird contact with somebody and share the light with them. If not today, this week, Lord, give us those opportunities. Give us the words to say. Lord, when you tell us to go, Father, don't let us shrink back. Give us a boldness. Don't let us be scared that we're not going to know what to say. Don't let us be scared that we're, somebody's going to think we're idiots. Let us go in that. Let us accept that. Help us just to go. And Father, and Father, make your power be known. Show your power mightily. 
Lord, I pray that you would get the glory through all of this, Lord. Father, I pray if there's somebody dealing with somebody, going through something right now, something heavy, or maybe there's somebody in our life going through something that we know about, Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Would you help us to ask the question, what are you doing through this? How can we be a part of it? And Lord, would you help us to trust you in it? Lord, mold us into the image of your son. Help us to look more like Jesus every day. Help us to realize that the pain, that the suffering is never wasted when that happens. Father, be glorified. We ask this in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.